creative journey It's easy to get lost But don't worry, you'll lift off Sometimes you just need a creative pep talk Hey, you're listening to Creative Pep Talk, a weekly podcast companion for your creative journey. My name is Andy J. Pizza. I'm a New York Times bestselling author and illustrator. This show is where we explore what it takes to build a thriving, well-balanced creative practice. Let's go. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him, like, you should go check it out. You're going to be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was going to tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, andyjpizza.com if you want to see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you, where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. As far as I can tell, we are currently in a time where there is a lot of change and it seems like for a lot of creators, their back is against the wall because what used to work just isn't cutting it anymore. And when you find yourself in that space where you have to try a new thing, a new path, it can be incredibly overwhelming and actually pretty scary. How do you find it within yourself to take action and be brave creatively when you are in a place within your practice where everything feels uncertain? It's really hard to try new things when your current thing is no longer working because when things aren't working, it doubles your pessimism and it can cause you to feel this type of fatalistic mindset that says, if the old things aren't working, why risk a new thing? What's different about this new thing other than it's new. It's easy to try new things when things are going great, but when things are starting to lock up and you need to try something new, sometimes that's the hardest time to try it. And 
I think the further you are in your path as a creator, the more difficult this can be because charting a new direction in life when you're further on in life can start to feel much more make or break. So how do you find a strategy that allows you to find the bravery that is necessary to navigate all the ups and downs, dead ends and transitions that you are absolutely guaranteed to face when charting a creative path? I personally found some inspiration in a recent conversation I had with author and podcaster Todd Henry. Todd is a rarity on a couple of levels. One, he's one of those rare souls that has managed to write and publish books, not just books, but seven books. And even more than that, he's one of the few people I've talked to that have been in podcasting longer than I have. He has been podcasting for, I think, 18 years, like all the way back to when podcasts started. Completely incredible. Most of that time was working on a show called Accidental Creative. However, just at the start of this year, they blew up that format completely and started over with a totally different format and a new name, releasing a small daily episode under the new and very appropriate title, Daily Creative. With all the shifts in apps and technology and the economy, I thought it was a perfect time to have a chat with Todd because, first of all, he just made this huge, brave leap himself. And also, his new book is all about bravery. It's called The Bravery Habit, A Guide to Courageous Leadership, and it comes out February 10th, 2024. This book and recent reinvention that Todd went through with the podcast perfectly speaks into some of those anxieties that were keeping me from moving forward in my own practice, and I think they might do the same for you. There's some really good examples that Todd shares that helped transform some of those fears into creative inspiration, and by the end... He's going to give you an actionable way to right-size some of those paralyzing questions that you're currently facing, and then I'll come back all the way at the end to turn that into an exercise I'm calling bite-size to right-size, and you can immediately act on this idea right now to help you find enough bravery in your creative practice to take some speedy actions today. So just to set the scene a little bit, right as we started chatting, I was saying that I didn't know if this topic of bravery felt especially poignant to me because of the way that the world is right now, or if it's a combination of that and the fact that I'm just getting older. And the older I get, in some ways, the more afraid I get for a number of reasons. And his response kind of helped me understand what might be happening there. You said, well, as I get older, I get more afraid. And I think that to some extent, that's a perfectly natural thing. And, and so I think about that in terms of our creative process, right? When you're young, you, you don't know what you don't know. Um, think about like your, your kid taking its first steps, right? Your kid takes his first steps. It's like, oh, everything's great. And then they fall on their butt. And suddenly there's this like look of like, what was that? That was pain. That was terrible. They didn't know that was a possibility. Mm. Um, 
when you're young as an artist, you're, you're kind of naive, you know, you come in and you don't know what you don't know. And it's like, Oh, I'm just going to do all these things. And look, this is really easy. And then the first time you fall on your butt, you realize, Oh, there's some risk involved in doing this. And so I think we often conflate boldness with bravery and boldness is a kind of naivete, right? Mm. Like I'm just going to go out and do stuff and make everybody react to me. Well, that's not necessarily brave. Um, as you get older, you understand more the cause and effect and the consequences and all those things. What, what could possibly go wrong? And at that point, you need bravery in your life because at that point you realize there's a cost to this. Something could go terribly wrong. And art that's made with that cost in mind, in my opinion, is far more valuable than art that is made out of a place of naivete and, and boldness. Um, you know, you see people all the time doing things and people will say, oh, that's such brave art. That's so brave what they did. And I'm like, I don't think that's really brave. I think it's just, it's just bold. They were just trying to yeah. stick a finger in somebody's eye. Right. Yeah. But like, where's the nuance? Where's the empathy? Where's the risk in the art? And, you know, just doing something and saying, ha react to that. Right. That's not necessarily bravery. It's bold, maybe. And we see this all over, all over the, all over the world and all over the marketplace. And so Steve Martin um, has a great quote, and I'm going to butcher it because I, I, it just came to mind just now. But yeah. uh, in his phenomenal, phenomenal autobiography called Born Standing Up, it's one of my favorite books. He it's writes on about my reading own... list. It's, I, and I've oh. been thinking about it more and more, actually. I keep thinking about him generally. He's a fascinating character and, and his creative journey is very, very interesting knowing all the different oh, phases. He's, he's such a polymath. Like think about yeah. what he's done. Like the guy was a, like basically took stand up comedy to a completely different level. I mean, nobody was filling stadiums until Steve Martin came along. Right. And now well, he's I'm, filling like stadiums, like arenas with, with people to, to hear stand up comedy. And then right at the peak of his fame, he quits and he starts like writing novels and movies and making movies. And then right at the peak of all that, he quits and he forms a bluegrass band and he wins a yeah. Grammy, right? Yeah. And it's just like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Um, but he said, um, what I lacked in talent, I made up for in naivete, that special quality that basically you have uh, as a way to remind you that you have no idea what you're about to get yourself into. Mm. And I think there's something about that. When you're young, you don't know what you don't know. And so that naivete can actually be really valuable because it allows you to do things that that um, increase your capacity, that help you find your voice. You know, you try things, you fail, you experiment, you risk, you fail, and you sort of develop your voice. You have to be a little bit naive to think that you're going to put something into the world that's going to impact other people, right? Yeah, yeah. I, we're a little bit naive right now recording this podca podcast conversation yeah, thinking true. that anybody <laughs> wants anything to do with what we have to yeah, say, you know? True, yeah. um, but, but you know, all good art requires that kind of beginner's mind, that naivete. The challenge is that as you get older, you understand the consequences, and, you know, when you go through these phases of developing your voice as an artist, you know, you go through the phase of like, I emulate other people and I'm sort of copying other people. And that's kind of how I find my skills and my platform. And then you find your voice, like you're, you're sailing perpendicular, you, you diverge, you begin to develop your own unique, innovative style. And then you become known for a thing. Yeah. And that seems like a wonderful place because I'm sure. known for a thing, but that's actually a really dangerous place. And that's, I think, what you're describing, because once you become known for a thing, what's your instinct, Andy, when you become yeah. known for a thing? 
you well you want to well you need to stick at it but really that's it's killing your it's killing your creativity yeah you yeah. You, you try to protect that thing right yeah, you have to yeah. sustain it you have to keep it going well, that's fine. And a lot of people ride out their career that way. You know, their band's still touring on the hits they made back in the 70s. I and mean, it's fine. Nothing wrong with that. You can make a living doing that. But that's what I call crisis phase. It's that place where you get to where you realize, like, I, I know there's something more I could be doing. I know that there's another place I could go to creatively. But in order to do that, I'm going to have to let go of some stuff. And I'm going to have to take some risks. And ironically... Often the most difficult time to take a risk is once you've already proven that your stuff is valuable because yeah. that's the moment where you feel like you have the most to lose. I mean, Seth Godin, I remember one time said to me in an interview, he's like, people say to him all the time, well, that's easy for you. You're Seth Godin. He's like, it's precisely not easy for me because I'm Seth Godin, right? So because true. I have something, something to lose. And so I think we all have to keep that in mind. And that's where bravery comes in. Uh, it's so, it's so true. So relevant to where I'm at right now, even like thinking about my dad brought it up recently. Cause I was kind of lamenting and venting and all that stuff about some situation I was in. And, uh, and he's like, yeah, the difference is when you were starting out, you didn't have anything to lose because you didn't know if you could gain anything. You were, you know, you were trying and you did, you just thought, well, I'll try that. I'll try that. I'll try that. Cause you didn't know that anything might work out. Whereas now you just feel like, yeah, you've got so many things to lose and you don't, you don't see that coming as a, as a creator. You just think, oh, won't it be great to be known for something or to succeed at something? And that's, that's precisely what makes Steve Martin such an interesting character to me and, and why I've been, I'm going to put that book up um, higher in my reading list because that's the thing that blows me away is nine out of 10 people I talk to don't even know that Steve Martin did stand up comedy. So that right that, that's there, crazy. yeah, like that's insane. I, it's true. It's, uh, and, and I think people that um, people that are like uh, readers and, and really like to kind of, you know, take apart people's journey and stuff like that. I think he's just so famous within that world for all the different things that he's done. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, uh, most people I talk to are not even aware of Steve Martin outside of like a, yeah, sure. They know he maybe was famous on um, some late night TV stuff or whatever, but they think of like cheaper by the dozen, but I, you know, like I'm, which, you know, is, is a crazy thing, but to know that this guy, mm -hmm. no, this was the, he was a, at at the peak of being a legendary stand-up who reinvented the form, walked away and did something else. And not only did he do that, he did it over and over again. And if and for those yes. of us that are most interested in a creative practice that has longevity, that want to spend time on the path, like this is a guy that's worth paying attention to for sure. Absolutely. So I'm I'm gonna say um I know I'm talking about my book, The Brave Habit. Before yeah. you buy The Brave Habit, all of you listening, go buy Born Standing Up and read That's that book. Dangerous. And then you can go buy The Brave Habit, okay? <laughs> then you can go buy my yeah. book. But the reason I say that is because he walks through the very beginning of developing his practice. Like he, he got a job, a gig doing magic as a teenager at Knott's Berry Farm. Like that's mm. how he kind of started out. And a lot of his early stand-up evolved from like bits he would do to try to get people's attention while he was doing magic. So it was kind of like almost this out of necessity, he developed a, a voice, a unique style because he wasn't like trying to do stand-up comedy. One, I'm real fascinated by 
the kind of side doors that you have. You, you, there's a way where you have to sneak into your creative self. Like there's a, mm. you have all these defenses, whether it's the baggage or whatever it is. There's a bunch of reasons why when you say, I'm going to sit down and be creative, there's so many things in yourself that's trying to stop that. And I, I totally have experiences like what on a much smaller scale than Steve Martin, but in that way of him saying, oh, he was being funny while he was trying to get people to pay attention to his magic act. And all of a sudden that opened up this side door of like, well, there's no stakes. I can do this thing. Like I'm just, you know, having fun. And they're in following that, those side door to side door ways of like, oh, I'm just doing banjo because I already did movies. I don't need to make money. Who cares? Like I'm just like... All like there's a there's something there that's um, I'm going to be thinking about it. As I was working on the brave habit in the book, I challenged people to ask a lot of really like dangerous questions, like some brave questions, because I think that the questions we ask ultimately define who we are, who we become. And if we're not willing to ask brave questions, then uh, we often end up in, in places we never intended to be. And so. Uh, one of the questions I ask in the book that I ended up asking myself was if I were to start over would I be doing things the way I'm doing them? Mm. And the uncomfortable answer I came to was, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be doing things the way I'm doing them. I would be doing something very different, which then, of course, raises the question, well, then why are you doing things the way you're doing them? You know? And the answer to that is, well, I mean, I've been podcasting for 18 years. It's always been this format. We've got a lot of advertisers who place ads on our show and they love our show and they have been advertising for years. And, um, I've got, you know, we've got 20 million downloads of the podcast and people love the show. We've got this loyal, dedicated audience and all this stuff. And all of the answers had to do with stuff I'd done, but had nothing to do with my vision for like how yeah. I could serve the audience. And so the, that was the insight. The insight was I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now. It's fine. What I'm doing is fine, but I don't think it's the right thing to get to where I want to be, you know, or in terms of serving people that I want to serve. So I just drove a semi truck through 18 years of work on the yeah. podcast. Um, and, you know, not literally, but like figuratively, we gutted the show. I completely eliminated 18 years of back episodes, which amounts to, you know, I can't even count how many downloads a month that we just literally just took off the table because, you know, <laughs> we're not going to do that anymore. Yeah. Um, I completely reinvented the show in a more like storytelling format. We, we stopped doing advertising on the show, at least for a while. We're not going to do advertising because I want it to be something completely different, which yeah. means forfeiting what would amount to like a really good salary for most yeah. people that we're yeah. foregoing in advertising every year. Um, so there's like some real skin in the game. There's some real cost to this. That's not insignificant. But if I hadn't done that, I would have felt like the biggest hypoc hypocrite in the world, putting out a book called The Brave Habit and then not acting on the very thing I'm challenging other people to do, which is to make brave choices in their life to pursue a vision that they believe is right. And so that's what I'm going through right now. And mm. that big aha that you asked about was if you were doing thing, if you were to start over again, would you be doing it the way you're doing it right now? Mm. And I think that's a good question for any of us to ask. Like, you know, if you have a, if you have a spouse or partner, like if, if I were to start my marriage over again, would I be, relating to my partner the way I'm relating to them right now. Mm. 
You know, yeah. I mean, cause you have history, you've got all this stuff, all this residue that builds up, right? Same in your, in your work workplace. If I were leading my team, if I were to start over fresh, would I be doing the things I'm doing right now? Right. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really great question to it's ask, a, but it just is a don't, great question. but don't ask the question unless you're willing to deal with the answer that you come to. That's the brave part of it. It's so. a tough one. That's a tough one. And I, it makes me think of one of my favorite analogies is that I think about a lot is, um, the multi-stage rocket, the idea that the thing that gets you off the ground isn't going to get you to where you're trying to go. And, and, and if you hold on to it, if you hold on to that engine, it's, you're not going to be able to break the atmosphere. And I think for me and all creators, it's so hard to get one thing that works, right? Getting one thing that works is, is difficult. And so when you get something that works, you're like, I'm never letting this go. And it's the thing that will just ultimately, poison your creativity because that's the opposite of doing creative stuff right it is um, yeah we just we yeah. told a story on the on an episode of the podcast it hasn't released yet but um about the chevy nomad 2 which was basically chevy's attempt to create a minivan like in the late 1970s like this was going to be the thing that was going to be like the car of the century you know and it was great and everybody loved it it was amazing and all this stuff. But the problem was GM had developed a, a a real hold on the station wagon market. So they really had dominated the station wagon market. And the station wagon was like the choice of, you know, the boomers' parents. Right. Um, and so when the time came to release the Nomad 2, they were really worried that the Nomad 2 was going to cannibalize sales of the station wagon. So they never released it. And then a couple years later, Chrysler comes out with the the car of every boomer's dreams, right? Uh, the 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 Chrysler Chrysler released their minivan, yeah. and it absolutely proceeded to dominate the market and completely revitalize the company. And GM, because they were so concerned that this idea might cannibalize their existing product, missed out on probably what would have been the biggest opportunity in the company's history. And so, I think that you know, the point that we kind of make in that episode is like many of us are white knuckling a station wagon when we could have had a a caravan, right? We could have had a Dodge caravan, but instead Mm. we're white knuckling a station wagon. And the thing is, station wagons don't even exist anymore. They don't even exist. Like it's not even a market. I mean, all of them are like crossovers or whatever. It doesn't even exist anymore. And yet at that point, it seemed like, how could we possibly let go of the station wagon, you know? And so I think many of us in our lives, in our creative lives, we don't develop the ability to psychologically brachiate. Brachiation means the ability to let go of one thing while grabbing onto another. If you don't, you get stuck. And so, so many of us are white knuckling two different things because we're afraid to let go. But if you want to move forward, you have to let go of something. That's where every creative I know is in a place of, uh, well, you know, Instagram just dramatically changed. Like it, it became, I like to think of it as like public access TV. It's now like America's funniest videos and televangelists. And like, if you're an illustrator, like there were illustrators that became household names because of Instagram. And then yeah. now the format's different. And so you got to let go of that bar and it's, it's difficult, obviously. You know, I think a lot of people, they set like five-year goals or, you know, even one-year goals. And it's like, I, I don't, I have no clue, like- Half of Europe could be invading one another a year from now. Like I have no clue what's going to be going on a year from now. But 
I have a pretty good sense of what's going to be happening like probably three months from now. Like generally speaking, like that timeline, like I can, I can work in that timeline and I definitely know what's happening today, you know, cause this is what I have. And so I tend, I don't set yearly goals. I don't have yearly plans. I I tend to set, actually I do trimesters. I do um, three trimesters a year. So I have three months of hard work and a month of planning, three months of hard work and a month of planning kind of thing. The reason I do that is because what I find is that if if I start working on something and I produce something and I realize, eh, this maybe this isn't really the direction I should be going, I can either pivot or I can just say, I'm going to scrap it and start over. At the worst, I wasted maybe a couple of months of work. That's it. At the worst. And then I can I learn something and I can move on. But people who set these like year-long goals and then you get to the end of the year and you're like, well, that didn't work out, right? Well, that's a, a year is a lot of time to spend doing something that's not going to work. I'm really inspired by all that you're doing, man. So keep it up. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, I'm back with your CTA, your creative call to adventure for today, your call to action. It's called Bite Size to Right Size. And I'd like to just take that last bit that Todd left us with and turn it into an exercise that might help you right-size the creative challenge that you are facing today. Here's what I want to highlight. I love the idea that Todd had about breaking down your year into smaller chunks. It reminds me of another book called The 12-Week Year, which is essentially encouraging us not to create New Year's resolutions and goals for an entire calendar year, but rather to break it down into quarters and make smaller bets and more experiments. I think the reason why this inspired so much renewed courage in me in this moment was that it ultimately cut the fear way down by lowering the stakes because now I wasn't trying to find a new path in this particular section, my, you know, little section of my creative career. Don't worry, I'm not blowing everything up. I wasn't trying to find something that was going to set the tone for the year or the plan for the next five years or even the next seasons of my life. All I was doing was taking a look at the problem that I was facing today and coming up with the best solution I could imagine without needing to know if I was banking everything on it before I got started and took action. I could start to take action and experiment instantly today because I'm not betting the next chapters of my life on this thing. I'm just betting the next 12 weeks. So I think instead of trying to come up with your next huge pivot or how to get through the changes in the app that you poured all this time into or develop your new master plan of how you're going to find this whole new career what would it look like to say, how could I be in a much better place in these issues 12 weeks from now? What action could I take immediately that would improve my standing with the obstacle that I find myself in front of today uh, without too much more second guessing or analysis, you can get to work on this thing right now. So that's your creative call to adventure. This week, break down your year into smaller chunks that you can chew and swallow. Maybe that's a 12-week thing. Maybe it's a month. Maybe it's a week. Maybe it's a day. 
hey, like most creators have been in those tough, dark spots where the we need to break it down and just get through right now. And so your next challenge is to put these into bite-sized goals. And don't worry if they're right or wrong because ultimately they're an experiment and that experiment is going to give you data that will help you make a better plan when you get to the other side of that small exercise. I hope this episode was extremely helpful to you. I know that for a lot of creators right now, we are in the thick of it. There are so many changes happening and it's just a lot. And so I hope this is giving you an action plan, a new thing to try out today. And if you're still feeling overwhelmed, which I'm guessing to some degree you probably are, I just want to say, hey, me too. And I'm just hoping this episode and these ideas have armed you with a renewed sense of inspiration, no matter how big or small that might be. Massive thanks to Todd Henry. Go check out the new podcast, Daily Creative, for some daily chunks of creative inspiration that you can chew and digest on a regular basis. And if you need an extra dose of bravery to tackle what you're facing right now, go check out his book, The Bravery Habit, A Guide for Courageous Leadership. And, you know, as a creator, whether you realize it or not, you are a leader. The job of the creator is to enter the wilderness and those dark places where nobody else is and find a new path forward. And if that's not the definition of a leader, I don't know what is. Creative Pep Talk is your weekly podcast companion for your creative journey. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. I'm a New York Times bestselling picture bookmaker and illustrator for clients like Xbox and Apple. I pep talk teams at creative hubs like Warby Parker and Sesame Street, and I make this podcast because for me, it takes a whole lot of creativity just to get out of bed in the morning sometimes, let alone attempt to create a thriving creative practice. This show is just me sharing the things that seem to be helping in case they help anybody else. Shout out to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music and soundtrack. Huge thanks to Connor Jones of Pinning Beautiful for the sound design and editing the show. Massive thanks to Katie Chandler and Sophie Miller for podcast assistance of all kinds. And thanks to you for listening. And until we speak again, stay pepped up. <laughs>